Hello and welcome to Checkpoint Radio. My name is James. I'm Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. And coming up today, we're talking about new game trailers, developers who are asking you to torrent their games, and fantasizing about the franchises we'd love to reboot, so let's get right into it. So I'm glad to be back. I had a, a nice little holiday, had a nice little break. I'm, I'm feeling good. But, you know, there's something about this podcast, something about talking about games that gives me a lift. So I'm trying to bring some real Friday energy to the show today <laughs> as we dig into some of the weird and wonderful things that have been going on in the industry. Before that, gents, episode five, how are we all doing? Very good, thank you. Yeah, all good. Yeah, very good as well. How, how was your holiday? Yeah, it was good. It was, it was nice. Um, well, to be fair, like, there were some annoying aspects of it because we got to France and obviously France are like... The French people are hot on their strikes and they were striking the day we sort of arrived. Oh, no. So there were like no trams, no trains. We were sort of at the airport. We had to shell out for a taxi. But um, it was good though. Like, other than that, it was really, really cool. We went to Monaco, went to a really cool aquarium. And like, I, whenever I go to like an aquarium or like a zoo or anything, I, I always get shocked at when I see the animals because like, I know what these yeah. animals look like. I've seen them before a million times. But then you see like an octopus in real life and you think, that thing don't look Jeez. like it comes from this fucking planet. That looks yeah, weird. Yeah. It looks so strange. And then um, I saw these like, massive sea turtles, which obviously they're, they're huge. But then you see them in real life, and you're like, Jesus Christ, that's big. And uh, yeah, it was just really cool. It's a nice chilled weekend. We ate lots of nice food. Um, we had nice. an apartment like in the center of Nice Old Town, which was good for like exploring and walking around. And uh, yeah, the weather was good. It was really, really busy. Though. I think we got there sort of at the beginning of like the, the new sort of holiday season. I see. So nice and, and busy. It was buzzing. You know, the beaches were had a lot of people walking around. And uh, yeah, it was good. So, um, Very nice. Yeah, enjoyed it, but glad Very to be good. back as well, back on this podcast. Uh, what, about, what about you guys? You been up to anything? Um, half term for me and my child. So <laughs> lots of family time, which has been great. The weather's been better recently. So we've been trying to make the most of getting outdoors. Uh, went bowling, arcades, had a little cheeky Nando's. Uh, God. So, yeah, that stuff. Yep, yeah, of course. But yeah, that's about it, really. Other than playing some other games, but um, yeah. but yeah. So, how about Charlie and Connor? Yeah, Connor? I've just been working mainly, and then I had Wednesday off, and I went to see John Wick Four, which oh, was good. very good. Yeah, it was really good. It's like the perfect film okay. to see in the cinema. Yeah, there's a sequence Big high octane action. Yeah, it just knows what it is. It doesn't. It's not trying to be pretentious. It knows it's an action film. It takes the piss when it needs to. It takes the piss out of itself when it needs to. But there's a sequence mm. in it where it, it's a drone shot, but it looks isometric. And John oh, okay. is running around with like a shotgun and, and like a a bit like a hot hotline Miami. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It looks exactly yeah. like hotline Miami. And he's got like explosive rounds. But awesome, that like, that sounds really cool. Oh, like a three mate. to five minute sequence it's incredible it's such, it sounds sick yeah, yeah it's really awesome. worth watch, worth watching really really good so yeah it's Very been cool. my week charlie <laughs> nice um nothing exciting really for me bit of a slow week um training the new guy at work that's all done so that's been it's been all right okay. he's he's all good now yeah other than that no exciting stories this week from me so any new games any old games Yes, actually. Connor and I have been back on Rainbow Six Siege and Ooh. I worked it out. I've not played that game for four years. Oh my God, Tom flies. Yeah. What was it like going back to it? Very alien at first. I feel like a lot has changed, but I kind of got back into the groove and I'm really enjoying it. So nice. I'll be playing a lot me, more of that. It took me a while to get used to the pacing because it feels like... 
feels so slow compared to a lot of the shooters I play. See, I yeah. thought it felt rapid. I don't oh, know whether man. that's just because I've only really been playing Valheim other than that. Be. Yeah. But yeah, I thought... I'm like comparing it to like yeah, Apex. sensory overload kind of like, mm. well, it's all so fast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you want to talk about fast, I tried the X-Defiant beta, which is like a COD wannabe from Ubisoft. Yeah, it's like a free-to-play oh, game. Yeah. It's got, it's got yeah. all their sort of characters from all their franchises in it, isn't it? Yeah, it has. So it's got like the... Um, the cle- what are they called? Not the cleansers. Who, what's the people in the division called? The cleansers. The cleaners. The cleaners, yeah. <laughs> the cleaners. The cleaners. <laughs> it, you've got like um, the splinter cell sort of agents. Yeah, you've got yeah. like... Oh, they've just has got, got like the, some... Um, has it got the Wildlands crew in it? I think so, maybe. I'm not sure. I'd it's not really... if it didn't. Yeah, it's not like completely linked. It's just kind of referencing all their material. But I it thought looked it was right, okay. Like, like, I've, I've, I've watched some videos of it on YouTube and a lot of people that have played it have said like the, the, the gun plays like tight. It, it feels quite good and yeah, maybe it's got it, some legs. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely trying to target that kind of like rapid, like absolute adrenaline junkie audience yeah entirely it's just taken everything that people would want from playing um shipment on call of duty and just putting all of that into one game so it's just (laughs) rapid quick time to kill it's just nuts but i thought it was okay um another game i want to mention real quick that i was playing it's in no so a game called steel hunters made by the gaming company Wargaming, who are famous for World of Warships, World of Warplanes, World of Tanks, right. their most yeah. famous mm-hmm. one. But it's like a mech-orientated version where you're in teams of two against five other teams of two. And it's kind of a weird mix between like a battle royale and a team deathmatch, but it's very light on the battle royale. It's not, it's not like you have to go out and loot guns you kind of go out and power up so you have to go and kill the other enemies or lots of these bots that um, are around the map you slowly level up and level up until this like big final fight and then the last one to extract or the last team alive wins very short it's about maybe like eight to ten minutes per match but the combat's great the the like the graphics it's all in unreal engine so it looks phenomenal runs really well I found myself completely hooked. Like I was hoping to play lots of the wi- the Witcher this weekend, and I was just playing this all weekend. You're never going <laughs> to so, play that game. <laughs> You've been trying to complete this game for like seven years, man. Or you uh, just give it up? Just give it. I'm up. I'm gonna do it. You're lying I'm really to yourself. enjoying it this time. That's no, the will, sad I'm thing about it. Well, I just wanted to quickly mention. Um, oh, sorry, Charlie. Go on. No, I was just going to say, is that free to play that game, Ben? It will be when it comes out, but it's still currently in alpha. So even though it really felt like a like a beta in regards to like how finished the game felt, mm. it definitely didn't feel like an alpha. It was completely under NDA and everything. Um, but it didn't. It really felt like a beta. No lag, excellent performance, loads of features. Um, so I don't know how far off development they are, if they're still calling that an alpha, but it was very good. Highly cool. recommend. Nice. Yeah. Good to know. What were you going to say, James? Sorry? I was going to say I completed um, Hogwarts Legacy this week. I just wanted to say that I was very impressed with the game. I thought it was really good. Um, Won't go on about it too much, but Ben and I actually recorded a um, review video for our YouTube channel. So if you um, Mm -hmm. don't subscribe to it yet, Checkpoint Radio, look us up there and you can check out that video soon. Should we get into the news then? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) 
So uh, another week brings another wave of news for us to, to look at, but um, I think we're going to start with a couple of new game trailers we got for some high-profile games coming up. Um, I think we'll start with Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a game that I am very hyped for. Very, very hyped for, actually. I'll mm. underline that. The Me first too. game was fantastic. Uh, it's the final gameplay trailer. The game releases on the 28th of April, so... Was that week after next now? Well, it'll be next week when this podcast comes out, so that's nice. Um, thoughts? Everyone watched the trailer? What do we think then? Star Wars Jedi Survivor? I think it looks great from the trailer. Yeah. Like, yeah. It looks graphically really impressive. Good. Like, combat. the combat looks good. Did you play the first one, Charlie? No, I haven't yet. I bought it. I've got it in my Steam library. I just haven't. I recommend it. Haven't Perfect time to, to play it. Yet. It's a really yeah. good game, the first one. The first one was like, it was. It was kind of strange because I don't. I, when I think back to the time of that game coming out, I don't seem to remember much being made of it. I don't mean like it was. It didn't leave an impact, but I mean like um, there, I didn't really see it being promoted. People weren't really talking about it, not but it was a it. really yeah, not much hype about it. But it was a really really good game, and mm. I went into it with like low expectations and not really expecting anything from it. Ended up having a really enjoyable sort of like twelve to fifteen hours on the game. Yeah. And, um, for for me, it's like some of the best Star Wars content we've got in recent years, period. Like films, TVs, all of it. It's, it's a really, really great Star Wars story. Yeah, I agree. And I, I came from it from like a different angle. So I was very late to Star Wars, Fallen Order. And I knew that the game was like very well reviewed. I was coming in from an angle of like, okay, I am really hyped to play this after this long. I can't wait to have this experience. And it sort of hit every mark perfectly. I thought, I love something that kind of gets lost in this modern age of gaming is like a, just a really good short linear story. Yeah. Like a tight and story. It, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't need every game to be a massive open world, like, like a red dead. I love red dead, but if every single game was that big and that expansive or like a live service model, you where you literally, done. yeah. I like a nice sh- short, very good linear story. That's you memorable. You can complete it all. And it gives you that feeling of, yeah, satisfaction. You know, you've like, accomplished something. Plus, we're all Star Wars fans, and to live in that universe and to see different angles is like the reason. The main reason I love the Mandalorian is just fleshing out more of the Star Wars the wider story world, the stuff you don't yeah. see. Or so. Well, um, in terms of what we saw in in the the uh, the trailer itself, I mean, the one thing that stood out for me in this final gameplay trailer was it felt really cinematic. So I'm glad they mm. kind of built upon those foundations they laid out in the first game. Uh, there's a really cool bit in the in the in the trailer where where Cal's like kind of fighting with this stormtrooper and he sort of flips him up into an oncoming tie fighter. Yeah, looks awesome. when they're on the speeder bikes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just oh, I was going to mention that. Awesome. It looked so yeah. good. Looks really, really that's cool. Something you can actually do in the game and it's not just like cutscene, like but... a pre sort of done set piece. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I know I know that there's the in in this sequel. It's not fully open world, but there are much larger explorable planets compared to the first game where everything was sort of linear, took you down a corridor, and maybe you had some little bits off to the side that you could explore for chests and collectibles or whatever. But yeah. this game seems to have like much more of like a, you can go off and explore each planet type thing. And they've added like you... the ability to tame local beasts and use them as mounts. So yeah, that, that maybe alludes to how big some of these explorable areas are. Mm. And so for, like, for you, Charlie, seeing that second trailer or the trailer for this current game, are you going to go back and play the first game? Because I feel like you kind of have to, really. Yeah, yeah, I think I will. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it was, wasn't was that long ago you guys were talking about it, and that's what made me go, right, I need to 
buy this and play it's it. It's always so. on sale. You can get. Yeah. I think yeah. I did. I think I picked it up quite day. cheap. Like, it might have yeah. been. I might have done like G two A or something like that. But yeah. You can do it in the weekend as well. As, like Ben said, it's not 40, yeah. 50 hours. But yeah, I think it, it the way the way I describe the trailer is it's more of the same, but in a good way. They yeah. just yeah. built on what they've, they've done. They've not in, just in the first chucked game. in a million new features and mm. sort of messed with the formula. It looks there like are a couple it's... of there are a couple of new things I'm really excited mm. to see. Is that's the um the lightsaber stances, like the fighting styles. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think there's five new fighting styles depending on which type of lightsaber you're using. They range from using like a cross guard saber, you know, like what's his name? Kylo Ren. He's got like the the, the sword with the hilt on it. Yeah. Oh. Um, using a, a lightsaber like that, which is much heavier and slower, to then using like a blaster and blade combo. So you can switch between using a blaster for longer range enemies. Like to, to engage with longer range really enemies, cool. yeah. and then using a saber, like a shorter saber, that's like for close combat. And I think that that kind of variation being added to the game is going to change like a, so many things about it in a positive way because the combat was already really good in the first game. You sort of, you know, as you as you progress through the game, you get like the uh, the the sort of staff saber that occasionally splits into two sabers when you do a specific yeah. sort of combo or whatever. So I'm really glad they built on that because I thought they they. Um, they laid out, the developers laid out like a really solid kind of foundation for the combat and it's good to see that they've evolved it for this sequel. Well, that's it. And as well, they the fans are asking about, so this character, what's his name again? I can't Cal Kestis. Cal. Obviously, he's learned and developed and evolved throughout the first game. So people were questioning, like, in the second game, are we in like a gaming sense, are we going to have to kind of relearn this stuff? Because obviously you need to progress and yeah, that makes no stuff. sense narratively, does it? it doesn't no, make exactly. Any sense. Got hit so on the, the head devs... by a rock. I forgot everything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's forgotten everything. You have to go back to square <laughs> one again. But yeah, the devs again. have said like this is a linear story. Like he, everything he's learned up until this point that you would learn in the first game, you'll have in the second game, pretty much from yeah. the get go. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. Like this is a continuation. So mm. but one anyway, thing I noticed from the, from the trailer is like some of the combat seems like. It was almost like hand-to-hand elements. Was that within the first game? Do you can you like punch and kick people, or I think it might be part of a combo. Like a... Yeah, maybe it's part of a combo chain. I can't quite remember. It's been a little while since I've played the game personally. But, Some of um... the more scripted finishes, like say if you an enemy's on very low health and the game oh, takes over mm. very minutely to like finish them off, like the same way The Witcher does with like the slow mo finishes when you cut them in half. It's scripted, but it's still part of you, your input, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So he probably gives them a swift uppercut as part of that yeah. scripted I saw fight. a clip on YouTube earlier. Some guy was talking about the game. Uh, EA took him out to LA to play it. And he can't say too much about it, but he said he's impressed. But he said there's yeah. a lot more like customization options into it. It's not yeah, just ponchos. I saw, um, I saw a picture of like a customization screen and Cal Kestis had a big old ginger beard. Yeah, you so I'm looking forward to seeing how he uh, can customise the look say? of the character. <laughs> he showed like a clip a of cow, bushy beard, cow with a mullet, <laughs> and oh, like a whole yes. and moustache. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, you can customise BD as well. So they're adding a lot more customisation. Oh, nice. Into it. Yeah, that's, cool. that's, that's really that's good. One of the, that's probably one of the criti- Well, I someone says a criticism. I mean, you can't really criticise the first game because it's such a great sort of effort for you know the first game in the new sort of series for for, for Star Wars and. Um, I liked the little bits of customization you could do, but I remember thinking when I was playing the first game, I want there to be more things, yeah, there's, like more yeah. colors, more jackets. clothes, more sort of armor, more jackets, more everything. There's jackets, more ship sort of decals and stuff. Trousers. I think ponchos are back as well. But to so say you pick up a jacket, 
you can mm. change the color of it to whatever colors in the wheel. Okay. So yeah. Then it does feel like it's your own sort of personal cow. It's not awesome. just. I found this poncho. Oh, but four hundred people have also got that same combination of whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So. But yeah, I enjoyed the customization, but there was a part of me that was like, "What's the point in changing the color?" Yeah, it was a bit lacking, there. wasn't it? it was a little yeah, bit lacking. Yeah. Well, just anyway. to round up the rest of the trailer and the other stuff that we, we, we saw, obviously we mentioned you can tame local beasts. Um, there's like a, a, a sort of friendly hub zone that's going to apparently evolve and change over time as you sort of go through the galaxy, liberate more sort of colonies and help people and NPCs will appear there. I'm guessing there'll be different types of merchants and things like that. Um, cool. More diverse enemies, more allies. And uh, yeah, it just seems like they're going sort of bigger and, and better. And there's these things called Jedi Meditation Chamber Trials, which are also, they're like little dungeons. And I'm guessing you can go in there and unlock skill points for completing them or rare collectibles mm, yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it seems it like there's a lot more added to this game that's going to sort of extend the kind of playtime in it, but also make it more interesting for people that want to explore and sort of go off the beaten path a little bit. Well, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, well, I'm looking forward to playing the game when it eventually comes out on the 28th. But as for new game trailers, we've had another trailer for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, a mm. um, bit controversial, Ben and Charlie, not really into the Nintendo thing. I don't think any yeah. of you, or either of you, have played Zelda before. Is that right, I mean, oh, I've never played that? a Zelda game and so, yeah, pretty much never seen a Zelda game. Yeah, I've I played Breath of the Wild for like five to ten minutes on someone else's Switch at the time. But yeah, I'm... I'll, I'll let you and Connor in a second talk about it, but yeah, just my personal opinion. I'm not big on Zelda and stuff, so I understand that this game creates a lot of hype, but as soon as I see it come, crop up in the news, it's just a quick scroll past for me. Yeah, right. Well, anyway, we'll, let's, 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 well, the, the trailer specifically is, um, as, as with um, sort of many Zelda games that I've sort of experienced over the years, I didn't really know what was going on in the trailer, but I liked what I saw. So um, that's good. Um, I'm a huge fan of Zelda, obviously, as you guys know. Ocarina of Time was probably the game that got me into gaming in a real sort of big way. And um, I also loved Majora's Mask and the last Zelda game I played, which was Wind Waker. So it's been a long time since I really played a Zelda game before Breath of the Wild come out. And I thought, I do think Breath of the Wild is an absolutely fantastic game. And I know you're probably not going to play it, um, Ben and, and, and Charlie, but I do yeah. encourage you if you ever get the chance or the time to play Breath of the Wild, and I'm sure Tears of the Kingdom will be the same, to sit down and play these games because we, we often talk about on this show and we talk about um, amongst ourselves, like off air, what makes a really good open world game. Breath of the Wild has all the ingredients of a fantastically created and crafted open world game it's not something okay. that should be ignored because it's right up there with red dead redemption 2 um the witcher all Elden these great ring. open world games oh, Elden wow. ring of the past a few years and it's a really really good game but as for the trailer itself um it's set the, the story for the game is set sometime after breath of the wild uh link gains some new abilities and one really interesting ability or two i should say fuse and ultra hand which basically allows you to craft or fuse any object with any other object to create anything you want in the open oh, world. Wow. So in the open Banjo world, you and can Kazooie. use. Oh, mate! Don't get me started on Banjo Kazooie. Like, <laughs> that's a, that's another game that I absolutely love. Anyway, so Ultra Hand, like you can do things like um, attach like wheels to a piece of wood, and then sit on it and put like a sail on it to make yourself like a makeshift vehicle to get around the land. Oh, that's you can really create cool. carts for carrying stuff. 
when it comes to weapons, you can put like a sword on the end of a stick to extend its reach. You can <laughs> attach a smoke bomb to your shield that triggers when an enemy hits your shield and you block it. So all these crazy sort of things. And like, I, I really feel like it's such an ingenious way of like developing this open world and, and sort of, um, you know, kind of expanding on the gameplay, which is already pretty mm. solid in, in Breath of the Wild. Um, as for, you know, the, the, the story in the game itself and, and, and the open world, Hyrule appears to be largely the same, but there's all these kind of floating islands above it, which is where you start the game. And um, you can get back down onto sort of proper ground, but you need to unlock like abilities and sort of progress with the story to do so. But yeah, uh, Connor, um, I know you've played Breath of the Wild. What were you, what are you kind of thinking about Tears of the Kingdom? Are you, are you interested? Yeah, I, th- I think the same with Star Wars. It's more of the same, but in the best way possible. They've expanded on what works so well with the Breath of the Wild. Um, that was my first Zelda game I played by myself. I played Wind Waker back in the day around a friend's house, and I liked what I saw, but I, I didn't have a Nintendo, so I had no way to play it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, Breath of the Wild's fantastic. It doesn't hold your hand. It just lets you go out. You can go this way, you can go that yeah. way. You'll learn some stuff on the way. Uh, the combat system's great. Uh, yeah, it's more of the same. Mm. That's what I think Nintendo needs right now. I think there's rumours of a second Switch coming out. And I do look at Zelda and I'm thinking, how does that run on my Switch yeah, a little yeah. bit? But it's not the most powerful um, sort of games console. And I think Zelda's like the biggest Switch game now has ever been created, but it's not even that big. Like, I'm not even going to guess how big it is, but it's like, it's less than 10 gig, but it's like the biggest sort of Switch game ever. I don't know mm. how they optimise it for the, yeah. but it's, it's a testament to Nintendo. To be honest, I yeah, think I was going to say that I do really like the art style from from what I've seen from the, the trailer, music, yeah. and because I, I did kind of think, well, see, the Switch isn't the most powerful console. Mm. How, how good would the graphics be? But I do think it looks it looks really yeah. good in the art style that they have. Yeah. I suppose it's one of those things where if you know exactly the hardware you're working with, I suppose that gives you ultimate um, ability to. Optimization, like, optimize that, yeah. Yeah. Well, just to, just to wrap up, just is is more of like a, a sort of final point for for you guys that haven't played it. Um, when you when you look at Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom, it's got like a really sort of fun, sort of cartoony art style. But I'll just say that it's it's not really. Well, obviously, it's a game that kids can play, but it's a very mature game in terms of its game design. Yeah. And like when I say this is like a great open world game, this is what I mean. Like it's very like. Kind of mentioned that it doesn't hold your hand when you're playing yeah. the game. It throws you out into the world. It, exactly. You literally just start the game and, and then that's it. Like you're you're sort of naked alone, afraid, and then you you're encouraged to go out and and do stuff and find stuff. Kind of like Elden Ring when you start the game, you're sort of on your own. You don't really know where you're going or what you're doing. And um, yeah, I just really feel like the the game design of of Breath of the Wild and I'm sure Tears of the Kingdom will be will be the same. Um, just just two fantastic games. So. Uh, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom, that comes out... Oh, sorry, Connor, have you got something There's you want to add? one gripe, whoever's voice in Zelda <laughs> does not feel right. That was my only gripe with that trailer. Okay. <laughs> have they but, changed it then? Is it not I like... don't know. I don't know at all, but it doesn't feel like... She sounds like she's in a different recording booth to the rest of them. It oh, okay. <laughs> right, well, we look forward to hearing more of that when uh, a Zelda Tears of the Kingdom releases on the 12th of May on the Nintendo Switch. Um, so moving on then, dark and darker developers. This is like this is a wild story. Um, yeah, Ben, take it away. 
So it's a fascinating case that raises the ethical question of who exactly owns an idea. So Dark and Darker is an extraction-based multiplayer fantasy game that was briefly one of the top early access games on Steam. So imagine it's almost like a, a battle royale set within a dungeon and there's a closing ring and you need to battle your way through AI as well as other players and then you'll keep descending into the dungeon and facing new foes and new enemies and so on and so on. and yeah. Medieval Tarkov is how I've heard it explained. Yeah, yeah, it literally <laughs> is like a medieval Tarkov. Got loads of excitement and everything. But this is where the drama starts. So a few years ago, Korean studio Nexon was working on mm. a variety of prototypes which it codenamed certain games and projects like P1, P2, P3 and so on and so on. Dark and Darker was called P3, but Nexon didn't like the idea and decided to make another project. And the devs who brought the idea to the table about this P3, which was Darker and Darker, decided to leave the studio, make their own studio called Iron Mace, and make this P3 project that Nexon didn't want to make, calling it Dark and Darker. So Nexon are accusing the devs of stealing the assets and stealing the idea and like saying that we own this. And that's where the whole drama comes in. It's like, well, they decided to bin this idea. They decide, they said they were never going to make this game. So the devs who wanted to make it left to go ahead and make it. And now Nexon are claiming that they can't do that because they own it or they something along like they own the idea. So you can't make this idea, which, I don't know, it's a tough one when it comes to copyright because, like, if it was only an idea and it was never actually a project, like, in the works, then do you, whose idea is it? The people who came up with the idea, brought the idea to the table and then got turned down, yeah. then left to make their own game and it be that same idea. So mm. that's where it all comes in. The um, CEO of Iron Mace turned around and said that their code was built from scratch and their assets were purchased from the Unreal Marketplace. So saying that there well, was no... Well, that's what I was going to say. There's like a bit of a <clears throat> twist in this, isn't there? Because they're defending themselves by saying the assets you're accusing us of stealing, we have bought them from yeah. the Unreal Engine Marketplace. Mm. That's it. So go the fuck code, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> the code that we've written is built from scratch. That's literally a quote from what he said. Yeah. And um, they've apparently had it uh, audited by an outside agency. They do admit that the game is very similar to P3. Obviously, they were the devs who brought P3 to the table to, to Nexon. Um, and they were the ones who pitched it, designed it, and built it. Nexon threw it in the bin. So Steam... So they took wanting, it out of the bin and yeah, took it to, with them. to make it. So that's where this all gets a bit up in the air because... Yeah, it's like who wins this who knows steam who want to stay completely out of this have taken it off their marketplace until it's all been settled which i feel like is a is a correct move steam just yeah, yeah, yeah don't yeah. want to get involved and um the next crazy thing is the uh iron mace devs who can't obviously distribute their game anyway they are encouraging people to play their newest alpha beta via torrent download so if you want to play it, it's currently available. So if you want through... to play it, you have to download LimeWire. Yeah, like it's old school. Like in 2007. Um, yeah. yeah. Distributing it through their Discord, which you'll easily be able to find. 
yeah, yeah. So yeah. well, apparently the game was quite popular during the the, the mm. play tests it's had like recently when it was up on Steam and people were able to play it. Yeah, yeah. the game was getting like quite a lot yeah. of hype and and people were saying it was pretty good. Mm. Well, this yeah. is like the fifth play test, isn't it? Oh, is yeah. it? Something yeah, I, like think so. I think so. Okay. I think it's yeah. had quite a few. They had a play test through Steam, do like an annual event, which is like um showing like upcoming upcoming releases, and they do a lot of demos and betas and stuff like that. And yeah, that's when they first released it, and I think they had like over a hundred thousand downloads or something along those lines. It did really well, mm. and then obviously yeah. Nexon, Nexon saw it was doing well, and it was like, yeah, that's our fucking game. We want a piece of that pie, even well, though well, if, you, if you fucking binned it, though, if you said mm. no, this isn't good enough for us, and now you're yeah. getting all upset because they actually decided to develop the idea further that you yeah. didn't like. Now you're saying, well, that's our idea. You you can't do that. That's it's it. a really great, it's like a real great area with like who actually owns the idea. IP, the yeah. idea because did if I guess technically you could say that Nexon still own it because it was published under their so well it was developed under their roof and they decided that they didn't want to continue with it. So then, is it down to the employee to take the game to yeah. another company and carry on making it? And 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 it know, like how, how different does it have to be before it's not? Well, that's another that argument because idea. they used ChatGPT to define the genre of game, which became, which like was very strange. But their point was that the uh, the genre of game is so broad that every game of of a certain genre is copying and nicking ideas. Like they, yeah, of course, it is. Someone would use an example of like, well, if I make a medieval game, does that mean I'm ripping off every other medieval game in that? sort of genre or that theme or that whatever is mm. copywritten now because well, there's it it a big point around the fact that you've got to use torch like like a flaming torch mm. to see your way around yeah but i've been that doing that one on of the their big points but yeah that's it. Do that in oblivion doing that in valheim darkest dungeon yeah, yeah. so call it's a tough one yeah. call of duty straight stole tarkov and PUBG. no one says a word yeah, I mean that's a very uh, similar story, kind uh, of story, just, isn't it? PUBG, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, crazy, but I think it's yeah. because there's they they've paid those people to make that game, and obviously they've gone. No, we're not making that game anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now they can see it's going to make money because Nixon, <clears throat> Nixon are known for making a game, making it pay to win, and then when it drops off numbers wise, or they've got the next project, they've just take the server down. down yeah and, and i don't know if it up. makes yeah. it even more i don't know who has to approve this obviously it's a korean studio and is it korean officials that need to approve this is it more of a global thing like a microsoft yeah. activision sort of uh judgment well they, they, they sure. didn't they nixon asked for for a police investigation to be they've kind of filed, against them um, uh, a police raid of iron iron mace they've, studios they've filed <laughs> a a case in the US because the guy who owns or is the head developer at Mace is based in the US and they've right, okay. caught documents on the 14th of this month and they've named, Nexon have named a YouTuber in this case. Mm. So he could potentially be going to court because he's covered it beforehand. Or such. Very, mm. very, very strange. So I think it, it could potentially happen in US soil. Yeah. Mm, anyway, interesting. Who knows More how it's going to gonna turn that. out? Yeah, yeah that's, that's one to definitely keep an eye on. And we love a bit of drama in the in the industry. <laughs> yeah. you know? I love uh, sort of seeing 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 these things develop. But yeah, any change from that, I'm sure we'll 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 cover it as and as and when. 
But uh, moving on to the final sort of news piece we're going to cover, um, we've been. I feel like we've been mentioning this game every episode for the past God knows how long. But finally, the suspected delay for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been confirmed by the studio. Uh, Rocksteady announced on social media that the game was being delayed to the 2nd of February 2024. Madness. Thoughts? Nine months. So I thought, obviously, where we were seeing an increase in content at that Sony PlayStation... Um, State of play. State of play. Yeah. That I was presuming that they were very close to releasing the game. Obviously, the release date is still closing in. Well, the original release date is closing in. So, well, the original release date was actually last year because that's when the game was meant to oh, come yeah, out. Oh, yeah, I suppose. But yeah, crazy. It seems to be the live service and the player reaction is the biggest yeah. cause. But how do you... Obviously, they know they've got a ton of work ahead of them. Giving themselves a deadline of February 2024 is an, an immense amount of time. Yeah, how like, much of the game can they change in that time? Because they actually... Rocksteady have already said that they're not changing the live service aspect of the game itself. Like that's a core sort of aspect of the game that won't be yeah. removed. So what are that's they going to be changing in that time? Because well, my thought was, oh, sorry, Charlie, yeah, I was just going to say, because um, if they, for instance, if they do decide to cut out, I know they have said that, but imagine if they do decide to cut out the whole live service model, how, how would they, how would they do that? Like if it's actually built from the ground up with the live service model being a core part of it, that would be like ripping your all your internal organs out and then expecting you to still walk yeah. around and be, be fine. New, it'd be a completely new game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of has to be, really. Because all the it? assets that would then be in the Battle Pass would then be in like these... Well, I don't think they've got loot boxes, but all the assets that would be in the Battle Pass that would be purchasable would then have to be obtainable through playing the game in organic ways, which then means redesigning large portions of the game to make that possible. Do you start mm. like mm. putting... I don't know, dungeons in the game? Do you start putting like loot chests that you need to seek out and find to, to get these yeah. these items? I don't think that they're going to make any changes like that. From from what I've read, so there's um, I've got something from Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, I think it is, yeah. um, who's reportedly downplayed speculation that the game's getting a major overhaul um, within that nine-month period. And he sort of stated that Oh, this is a quote, nine months is not enough time to completely change the nature of a game. Um, and also that the team was told the delay was for polish and not related to the February gameplay showcase. Um, so to be clear, polish can mean a lot of things from performance optimization to balance tweaks to bug fixes um, to server stability. Folks are surprised a dev would take an extra nine months to polish a game, but that's actually normal these days. That's what he said. So the heat dies down. So yeah. Bet, you know, so in that, he's saying that these changes aren't related to any backlash from this game showcase. I think they're yeah. in it just to get away from the hate. But I don't know if the, that's yeah. going to help them in the long run because where, where people are expecting those changes to the live service to come, when it almost makes the expectation when the nine months does come around even higher because people yeah. are like you've delayed the game for so much longer now we're expecting something drastic rather than just fine-tuning and tweaks and whatnot they're in an impossible place right now because yeah they like really the are service thing they can't change the live service unless they delay yeah. the game by about two years maybe three which they won't do there's too much money involved 
Yeah. Um, the game's already this... been in development for like, what, four plus years? Yeah. So. A long time. I had issues with the game. It wasn't anything to do with the live service. I've got no issues with the live service. It was the gunplay that I had issues with. Yeah. yeah but we're not. Go on. It's just the gaming community. The problem is, it's me and James see it in football all the time. It's player power. Players can get mm. managers sacked and all this all the time. At this moment in time, obviously, you have to believe in consumer rights, but how far does that go down? Mm. If now we're holding studios to ransom. Yeah. Oh, you've got oh, to yeah. change this. Like, no, just grow Good up. Point. If you don't like yeah, a live service, yeah. don't play it. That's and the that's thing. Exactly that I, it. If you don't like it, don't yeah. buy it. Don't I don't understand it. I I really don't get it because there's this whole kind of element that we've we've sort of um you know cultivated as a society where we feel like we're entitled to have what we want whenever we want, and if we don't get what we want, we have the we're allowed to be outraged and to be so fucking. You know, yeah, like entitled. In mm. it just talking down to people, abusing people, about and threatening game. people about a fucking game. Yeah, like seriously, grow up. Like you can, you can, you can have a dig at like the artistic choices that the studio has made in the game, the combat, the visuals, whatever. Because at the end of the day, it, they are creating a piece of entertainment, a piece of art, and they can make it however the fuck they want to make it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the battle pass. They have already stated that there will be no pay-to-win aspects in the battle pass. It's all cosmetics. Why are you bothered about not being forced to buy something you don't need to play the game? Yeah, It's not an issue. It's a complete non-issue. And it really bugs me because this kind of sense of entitlement that we've got, you know, it's... it's, it, it's if if you're a game developer and you've, you've worked on a game for like four or five years and then you announce it to 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 the world and they're hung up on something as like trivial as as you know skins being locked behind a paywall, you don't need those skins. No one's holding a gun to your head and telling you need to buy those skins. You don't need yeah. it. Why can't you accept the fact that there will be people out there who will think, you know what, I like this game, I like that skin, I've got a bit of cash, I'm gonna buy it. And if you think, well, I'm not buying a skin then why does that suddenly mean that the game is is trash and not worth your time? Yeah. It doesn't mean that at all. Exactly. It's like Valorant, for instance. Like, Obviously, there's absolutely no pay-to-win feature of that, but skins will release in the 60 to 70 pound bracket for like the whole collection. It's all completely optional. You can be outraged by the price, but if you don't want to buy it, don't yeah. buy it. Well, it's, so. it's, it's, exactly. It's, that's all it comes down to, is that people act like they, you know, they're forced to kind of like indulge or they're forced to engage in this aspect of the game the live service side of it no one's forcing you to engage in that there are plenty of games out there that have live service elements to them that you know that that do really sort of like anti-consumer things like lock things behind a paywall that are pay to win like call of duty with their latest fucking bundle that they've you know released Mm -hmm. onto the onto the store which has apparently got some pay to win elements in it because it's got some fucking op gun or whatever lock behind it i don't know i don't care like if you don't if you don't if you don't want to buy the skin <laughs> don't buy it doesn't matter like you're not bothering yeah. anyone no one cares if you buy it or not there are people out there will buy it they'll enjoy that they don't care either just th- don't be so fucking outraged by it because it's yeah. not really a problem so taking that and and imagining that the developers have the exact same perspective what would you say are the changes apart from polishing do you think the combat will change obviously there was a lot of critiques it's, on like yeah. All four of them it's a lot the of same. If it's they're much, changing if they're changing the gameplay mechanics nine months out of release, obviously you can tweak things and yeah. things. There's a lot to do. 
Yeah, if you're going to do a whole overhaul, though, you think of all the new bugs and all the new stuff. Like, yeah, it's too much. Nine, for month, nine, nine months. months turns into two years if that's mm. the route they're going. I do think that like nine months is probably like uh, Starfield, for example. Starfield was delayed for for a year, pretty much, you know, and um. But the, the last word on Starford was before the delay that the game is playable from start to finish. It's just fucking full of bugs. And oftentimes it does take developers a long time to get the game mechanically sound to the point yeah. where it's not sort of immersion breaking to play the game because, you know, there's not just, you're, not, you're not sort of driving down the road and then the passenger in the car next to you is literally just T-posing <laughs> with their head sticking out the roof, <laughs> cyberpunk looking at you. So, you know, it's like... It does take a long time to do this, these things. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not going to sort of sit here and start accusing Rocksteady of like, well, I'm not accusing them of anything. If they want to delay the game because they want to spend more time polishing it, you fucking do that, mate. Have fun. So I've I've got one more question then. What do you think the CEO boys will do? You know, the two guys who are going to be leaving. They're, They're still leaving, I think. I don't think that yeah, changes. No. But are they leaving now, or are they leaving they when this game releases? I th- yeah, I think they're. Um, I think they're probably going to stick to their original plan because they've got. So is it? Uh, I can't remember the names. Jamie, something, and Sefton and Sefton Hill, and another co- and a couple of the other guys from Rocksteady who are who are leaving. They um they've already got plans to start a new studio, so I don't think that yeah. changes. I think they're still going to go and do that because the game as it is, you have to assume. But because it was set for a May second release date, the game as Starford was before that delay was announced, is playable start to finish. It's, it's finished. Mm. So now it's mm. just, you know, tweaks, uh, making sure everything's tight, making sure the servers work properly, all this other stuff. They're so probably, you think they're out the door? They're probably out the door. Yeah. There's a guy who's just left uh, Microsoft. He works for Halo. But he left in January, but they've only just announced it now. So mm. uh, well, yeah. they, they haven't even announced it. Someone looked at his LinkedIn. But um, I think they probably went a while ago, they might even be there like a day a week overseeing things. Yeah, it's not so they couldn't be consulting for them kind no. of thing. Yeah, that's like, just probably right. Probably consulting because like they've got a new studio. Kinda... They've got a new studio to start. That's yeah. You can't do that overnight. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, interesting. We're um, I'm I'm gutted because I was really looking forward to Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, and I was still looking forward to it even after that state of play. If anything, I actually wanted to play it more. So. I'm a little yeah. bit upset that it's going to be delayed till next year, but I'm hoping that um, fans can just sort of like bite their tongues a They're little bit and just, just be, well, yeah, just be patient, you know, let the game come out and play it for yourself before you start fucking screaming from the rooftops about how shit Rocksteady is and how much they've, oh, they fell off, whatever, sharp. Cringe. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so we've been going through a trend of rebooting games and franchises over the past years. Well, not just games, but, you know, TVs and, and movies, they get rebooted and remade all the time. It seems to be um, the thing to dig up long dead IPs and rework them for new audiences. I mean, we've literally just heard that the Harry Potter franchise is going to be turned into a new TV series. Mm. Uh, in gaming specifically, we've had the major God of War rework, which saw the entire game get basically redesigned for a new set of sequels. Demon Souls is another old game that got a full remake for the PS5. And Perfect Dark is getting a major reboot for the Xbox, as is Fable. So, lads, I thought we'd get creative and talk about games we'd love to reboot. Uh, how we'd do it and why we think our game would be a great shout for getting a next-gen remake. Ben, do you want to start? I shall. So, my game is called Black and White 2. It came out okay. in 2005 and is a god game developed by Lionhead Studios and published by Electronic Arts. It's the sequel to 2001's Black and White. The game blends real-time strategy and god game elements. 
In Black and White 2, the player takes the role of a god who must guide their people to prosperity. The player can choose to be a benevolent god or an evil god, and their actions will have profound impact on the world around them. The player can use their powers to create and destroy, to help and harm, and to sharp the world in their own image. The player interacts with the world via a godly hand which is present in the world rather than the traditional cursor. This enables the player to interact with the world in unique ways not seen before. Picking up trees, grain, villagers, boulders, interacting with the sky to change the time, casting signs to summon miracles, rubbing your creature's belly or giving it a smack to praise or punish, and I'll talk about the creatures more in a moment. The goal of the game is to conquer each of the islands. When the game starts, a Greek city is being invaded by a huge Aztec army. You are summoned deep in space by a pure prayer asking for a miracle. You whisk away as many villages as you can, disrupting the Aztecs as best you can, and escape to a remote island with the few villages you have rescued. The objective now is to build up your village, placing foundations for buildings, assigning villagers certain roles, and expanding your area of influence. Here you can decide how you'll conquer the island and the other factions dotted around the map. Will you create a beautiful town where happiness and peace are your core values and neighbouring villages will come to you with offerings asking to be accepted into your flock? Or will you build an army, pillaging and trampling through the local villages, taking what you can to keep your soldiers fed as they march their way to victory? Outside of your area of influence, your godly actions are limited, so assisting your men your soldiers with castings of fire and other deadly spells on the battleground is difficult, but not impossible. Plus, with the help of your creature, things can quickly become epic and titanic. Talking about your creature, you have a creature companion which you will raise, train and command, all thanks to the game's incredible creature AI, even by today's standards. The creature will learn from the player's actions and will eventually become a powerful ally. The creature can be used to fight battles, gather resources and perform other tasks. Imagine the way you train a dog, rewarding actions you wish to see them repeat and punishing them for those you don't. The creature picks up some grain from a field and deposits it in the warehouse, give their belly a rub or give them some food and they'll repeat this action more frequently. They pick up and throw a boulder, destroying some nearby homes, punish them and they'll be sure not to do this again. I should mention these creatures will grow to 100 plus feet tall and rival gods may have their own creature, usually trained for war. The Creature AI actually won a Guinness Book World Record for the most in-depth video game AI at that time, and I wouldn't be surprised if it still probably holds that title now. It's actually bonkers. Reviews for the game averaged between 8 to 9 out of 10, which was just top tier, and rightfully so. But unfortunately, this game is caught in a legal grey area in regards to ownership and publishing rights. Thus, it's not available to buy or download from anywhere unless you can nab a physical copy, which are quite rare these days. Obviously, there are other ways to get it. However, there could be hope on the horizon as GOG and their army of legal professionals are currently on the case to settle the dispute and bring it to their ever-expanding library of old, lost, but not forgotten games. I never managed to complete the game. The Japanese were always too crafty with their war efforts. But I plan to play this game again and finally complete it. Maybe if I remake it, obviously. And uh, by other means. How was that? Wow. Awesome. Sounds like a really cool game. Thank you yeah. for that monologue. I, can, I loved it. So that was very long, but hopefully detailed 
synopsis of everything about black and white there's obviously so much that i couldn't yeah write yeah. down but it's such a great game in every respect and it's such a shame that it's not playable today so the people who know about black and white will know how great the game is the opinion mm. is very widely shared um but it's just a shame that the game's kind of lost if you know what i mean so you'd like mm. to bring this game back from from the dead and and remake it for a new audience but what is it about this game specifically that you think is 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 you know kind of worthy of, of being brought forward into into 2023 for a, for a whole new sort of player base i'm glad you ask this game is truly incredible it might not be the most exciting it's not like you're sat there having the best most insane insane time of your life or have the most in-depth story you are just a god guiding your villagers and conquering the white island yeah, you're really selling but- it you're just a god. You're just but a god. Everything, just a god. Every, yeah, you know, just an average everyday god. But everything that this game attempts to do, it does it so well. So incredible amounts of satisfaction from building your village. Moments of awe and mystery when your creature performs actions on its own back. Like just watching the AI work is actually so mesmerizing. So can I, can I, sorry, Ben, to interrupt you, but I'm interested no, in this AI do. thing because I feel like this is one of the things that you're kind of like... This Half is why you want to, yeah, you want to bring the game out now, re-release it now because of this AI. So what, I don't get, like, what, what, explain what this AI could do. Why was it so advanced for its its time? So it had a really, like, rudimentary, if you were to, like, look at the UI that you can, the game's very UI, um, not heavy, but opposite. There's very minimal UI, but you can get it up to give you more of an indication on, like, your creature's tendencies. Okay. So imagine you've got, like, a roulette wheel. So every five minutes, the game is spinning this roulette wheel and it's going to land on a certain action for this creature to perform. And if it lands on an action that has been praised, it will go ahead and do it. If it lands on this action that has been punished, it will skip it and wait five minutes, basically. So that's how like rudimentary it is. But in the game world, it fits so well because it gives your creature this real organic, like, I just thought of an idea. And I'm going to go ahead and do it because I got praised or I, I'm going to, I've had this random idea. I'm going to go and poo on the field, which is an action it will do, which you might see as a negative action, but it actually fertilizes the field. So you could encourage that, but then it can also be quite toxic to your villagers. So you want to, you don't want him to go and shit around everywhere because he might get carried away. (laughs) (laughs) And then he might pick it up and eat it. And then you can punish that and you'd be like, never do that again, you idiot. So, but it's a roulette wheel. And so imagine there's like literally hundreds of things that he's been programmed to do. And then depending mm. on how you praise or punish him, yeah. um, he that's his likelihood to do it. But um, so, so what, why... does, what does this game like going off of that? And yeah, more specifically, the, the why you think this is like, how does it look in for, for an next gen game, given that sort of technology? What, yeah. what, what way would you develop it to, to make it sort of appeal to, you know, this to modern the, to audience? To the 2023 yeah. audience, yeah. So I would use the Unreal Engine undoubtedly. Like the technology that the Unreal Engine has got under its belt right now is absolutely prime for a game just like this to real sh- really showcase everything the Unreal Engine can do. So everything from the intricate weather systems, impressive state-of-the-art procedural well generation, which we saw at one of their most recent Unreal Engine expos, the physics, the AI, 
the micro to macro detail that you can get. Because obviously you're a god, so you can zoom right in to to literally head height to all the way out to the to the heavens. Animations, lighting, Unreal Engine harnesses everything that this game would need to be propelled to the next level gaming heights. So I can imagine islands crafted using the procedural world generation tools where you only need to give the engine some reference material to work from and it will expertly craft incredible worlds allowing for endless possibilities so i could really see like longevity that way the weather system would just be insane and enable you as a god to harness nature's elements to its full potential so imagine you can conjure terrible storms and tornadoes which could rip through villages or rise the tides and bring forth a tsunami to wash away your foes or nice hot summer days to help your crops grow and maybe causing fires to start spread if you get too carried away then bring on the rain which might flood regions of the map if they last too long the weather system would be like a not the but it could be like a standout feature something they definitely mm. like advertise mm. on the box yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm thinking in-depth animation and rigging tools that Unreal Engine's got, which would be perfect for the creatures. These huge animals with a full suite of state-of-the-art animations, allowing them to grow and form into the peace-loving pacifists, if you praise them to be that way, or hulking war machines, altering their appearance in realistic and believable ways. Could war wounds heal over time and scar? The Unreal Engine can definitely handle that. The game is already equipped with some impressive modelling, though, so... Your creature will, like currently, if you were to play the game, like the 2005 version, if you are a evil god, your creature will visibly be more evil, growing claws and looking a bit more gruff and definitely more sort of war-torn. Um, but this could definitely be expanded upon. The physics could be elevated to new heights. Again, this game's got loads of amazing physics. So currently, if a boulder does come crashing down a mountain, which... it it they will do and you may have to use your godly powers to prevent it um it will currently break off into smaller pieces and crash through and leave a hole in buildings precisely where it hit cool but i could imagine if you were to use the unreal engine you could get world deformation involved like imagine summoning comets from the heavens and leaving creators in their wake i've got one more point about why the unreal engine would be great just like the lighting Imagine you've mm, made yeah. your quaint little village and it's all lit by torches and you've got that lumen yeah, yeah. lighting engine and it's like basically RTX lighting when it's all bouncing off the walls, glowing from a distance. And Oh, I want to play like, it. Are you making yeah, me want to play the this Unreal, The Unreal Engine would be bloody perfect for this game to showcase all the, the whole array of technology. Like mm. another something I didn't write so I didn't fully understand it, but they, you know, when the Unreal Engine did the Matrix demonstration, mm. they used one of their new breakthroughs in technology where the population of the city was like, uh, is controlled by this, like, it's almost like a hive mind, if you like, but yeah. it won't appear like that to you as the player. But it means that all the AI kind of talk. So imagine if someone gets scared and they scream, that will cause a circle around that area to get alerted and then gets expanded and expanded. And I can imagine just your villagers being controlled by this clever AI. But I'll conclude. This is an incredible game, even by today's standards. Absolutely. Yeah. If it were to be made on the Unreal Engine, it would be. It would be. It wouldn't be a game that you'd, everyone would go and rush out and buy. It would be a game that you'd play and experience all of the brand new tech of Unreal Engine. 
It would be a perfect. Okay. It would be like a real showcase sort of it game. It would be a showcase game, yeah, entirely. Wow. <clears throat> I've got two questions. Go on, mate. So it's an RTS, isn't it? Uh, yeah, real-time strategy, yeah. Is there anything out now that you could compare it for people to... Good like, question. No, not many, not everyone yeah, no, like, knows question. RTS games. So I would say, I'd actually say no, not to try and make this game seem more unique and special than it is. That's fair enough. But because of the way that you interact with the world. So imagine pretty much every real-time strategy game, you interact with the world just with your cursor that doesn't exist in that yeah. in the in that world you're pressing yeah, all yeah. your ui you're you're ho- like ho- holding and clicking your a big box around your units and right clicking for them to move whereas in this game your only interaction with the world is your hand you have got some ui so you can select so what it is, building it is literally the hand the of hand god the hand is in the world if you in hold your hand yeah yeah it's in the world if you were to float your hand around the village people will gasp and and whoop in our wonder and really? awe That's as really they cool. see your godly hand yeah so if you if you were to pull grain from out of the ground and help your villagers like, what out the fuck with, are you doing my grain yeah yeah they're like <laughs> nah, this is, they're Get all like back. standing there in awe so the way you interact with the world is entirely different from any other rts that i've ever played anyway Joe, that's such um, a that's such a like a cool thing actually because when you think about, I mean, like I, I what well, we all love love like Civ for example, Civilization is a fantastic mm-hmm. game that we've played together many times, but you know I've never played like a strategy game that's had like that actual sort of interactive like yeah you exactly are, mm. God looking over this yeah. town or this village yeah. or whatever and they're reacting to you and the things yeah. that you do. It's exactly that. That's really so, cool. That's a really cool sort of aspect that will really change up those games, I think. Mm-hmm. I've got a question. Are there any on, features or elements that you'd like to add from, um, like, that are different to Black and White 2? Yeah. Um, apart from some of the weather systems that I've mentioned where it will flood, but I could imagine I'd want to add more, like, mystical and mythical beasts and stuff. Like, oh, okay. the game is... Obviously, there's gods and there's creatures and there's miracles and so why not you can have more? summon. Yeah, so there's also ghosts and stuff. But yeah, why not have like more mythical creatures and more mythical beasts that yeah. that will that do inhabit the fables of godly fables? You know what I'm trying to say. So that's <laughs> what I'd maybe yeah. add. You could do expansions with it, Norse expansions and well, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So the game Longevity, does have quite like a few it. factions already. So you mentioned Norse, but the game has Norse, which is like a, oh, well, a foe cool. that you might fight against. It's got the Japanese and the Aztecs and the, the uh, another Greek faction. And I think there's more that I've forgotten about. So all of the great oh, so civilizations. Factions. Yeah, that have their own. Right, civilization. Yeah. yeah. So you will fight against the Norse or ally up with them and, and convince them to join you because your place is so full of peace and prosperity. They, they don't want to fight you. They just want to join you. So... Have you got a developer in mind? Like, is there one that stands out? You go, they could do this. I don't know. I mean, or would you? I I'm, would you lead it, Ben? Would you head the yeah, studio? Yeah, I'd be so? uh, Peter <laughs> Pres- president of of Ben Edwards <laughs> Studio. Productions. Yeah. So I tell you what, I know Linehead Studios are no longer with us, but my boy Molyneux is going to round up the old team. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would hundred percent Yeah, because Come on, I Pete, watched... we're making a game. <laughs> I, what was that documentary uh, the guy who makes the gaming focus documentaries no clip um no clip daniel doyle daniel doyle so he did an amazing like literally two three months ago documentary on black and white one but he kind of encompassed one and two 
But Peter Molyneux and, well, who's the main guy's name again, sorry? The documentary dude? Danny O'Dwyer. Danny O'Dwyer. O'Dwyer, He said at the end of the documentary that the team that they had on Black and White 1 was some of the most talented game developers of the time. And all of those developers are now heads and like very higher ups and everything you can imagine in the game industry and in the the world of AI. Like, I think the guy who created the creature AI in black and white now works at like one of the world's most revered is revered. The white word. Yeah. Yeah, World's one of the world's most like highly technical AI developing companies out there. And he Mm. worked on the black and white fucking AI. So and Good luck getting him yeah, back. yeah, there's no chance. That would leave your job like, to come work with you, you bum. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. It's like mind something, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah. if I could get Linehead back, the whole team back, then I would. If I had to choose a developer that's with us today. I didn't think about that question. Oh fucking here we go. We're gonna be here all night now. Mr. Indecisive. Yeah. Um <laughs> let's pick all of them. They can all work on it together. Yeah. Get everyone involved. Yeah, yeah not sure. Okay, well, maybe you can think about that and you can, you we'll can let us know at the, at the yeah. end of the show. Well, um, yeah, that's all we've got time for this week. So cheers for that, Ben. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> but, you know, the Ben show now. No, it's good, but, it's um, like it's good, to, see, yeah, it's good to see you really passionate about a game because, you know, yeah, you know, um, yeah it's nothing Nothing we love more than, than a bit of passion. Yeah, so, you know. uh, sorry to cut you off there, but should we, um, no, should we move on to the next please, game? Move who, on. Who, wants to, who wants to go next then? Charlie, do you want to go next? Yeah, can do. Do it. Um, so I think I've spoken about this game previously okay. it might have been in our prologue episode um but it's a game that's quite dear to me lots of fond memories from when i was growing up um so this game is called golden axe well the franchise golden axe um so give you a bit of a brief history on it so it's a side scrolling co-op beat-em-up slash sort of hack and slash game that was released by sega um initially for the arcade machines sort of back in 1989 so it's quite an old franchise um it's set in a medieval fantasy world where the land's been taken over by an evil evil mysterious man which uh, i'll tell you his name later Uh, (laughs) so basically you're tasked with defeating this villain's armies and recovering the legendary golden axe oh i love it Mm, bit of mystery But um, essentially, there's, there's in the original, there's three playable characters. There's a dwarf, a barbarian, and an Amazonian. They've each got their own grievances with uh, this evil person. Um, has he done them wrong? Sorry? Has he done them wrong? He has done them all dirty. <laughs> so there's a lot of bad blood there. Each character has different main weapon and they've also got access to magic as well and one of the big sort of mechanics of the game was the fact that you could get beasts which you could ride and use to help you defeat the enemies so they're pretty cool and they will be making a return in my new game of course so what's what's the what's the vision for this game what's the next gen pitch the golden axe right what i would like to see in this reboot is a I'm taking it. It's not no longer side scrolling. Okay. It's it's all going to be 3D open world. Um, there has been one game that was 3D, but the less said about that, the better. I think. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Doesn't we don't exist. mention that. Sacrilege. I actually really liked that game, but no one else did. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
um, yeah. So what I'm I'm envisioning is a huge open world co-op RPG game that will have survival elements as well. I like it. I want huge, huge emphasis on like exploration and a really rich story-driven sort of experience quest-based gameplay that fits with the lore of the original games. Um, so you know you're still trying to. Oh, I never mentioned the uh, the evil guy's name. His name is Death Adder. Pretty mm. cool name. Sounds <laughs> like a Mortal Kombat yeah. fire. <laughs> is he a snake? <laughs> But yeah, you're still trying to take down him and his minions. Um, but I think in order to do so, you need to do some leveling up and hone your skills. I'm kind of envisioning along the way, you've got to learn how to use spells, discover all these new abilities, all these new weapons. I want, rather than, oh, I found a sword, you've got to forge these. You've got to go and mine the ore. Oh, yeah. You've got to, you know, I, I want to encompass quite a lot of different games and elements yeah, yeah, I yeah. like from those yeah. games. Like resource yeah. gathering, survival. It almost sounds like a combination of like Conan, um, Ark Survival, whatever it's called, the dinosaur and the one. And The Witcher, yeah. Vin Diesel game. Mm. But I'm like, sold. I want other things as well, though. Like, okay. Red Dead <laughs> it could 2. be an MMO. Red Dead 2 is in my mind. Like, the stunning landscapes. Right, okay. But you're not just focused on the story. You want to go explore and see the vistas and go fishing yeah. hunting all of that i've got like monster hunter in my head as well like oh yeah i reckon oh, to craft certain armors and things like that you need to hunt and track these beasts obviously as i've said just before like to forge the the, the metals you need to go and mine the ores and process them but yeah from, yeah, from how, do you, how do you build an so are you building an army to take on death adder are you like yeah, get some liberating villages? Are you going around and like recruiting people? There. Yeah, Shadow I've, of Mordor. That's exactly I've what I was thinking. Thought, I've not actually thought about that. That is a good idea. You could do that. Right. But in in my head, it's you. I think you can play through this completely fine on your own if you want to do that. But Every I think to, that. to also be be able to have your friends drop in or like come give you a hand or you can play through it all together i think that's what i'd like to see okay and like i think very nice so you kind of want like a seamless sort of drop in drop out co-op aspect yeah. to it as well yeah because i you know the one thing i don't like about some sort of like co-op games is how restrictive they can be um so a recent example of this i'll i'll, I'll mention because it is quite relevant so redfall as we know is a, is a co-op game but mm. the co-op progress only saves to the persons whose lobby you join yeah i don't right. like yeah why is I that think it should be optional it should be optional yeah. why is that are we thing? always going to play this game together okay save progress to you and then am i just joining you to help but then i want to progress at my own pace yeah is then it it's sons of the forest is the same yeah. isn't it mm. but obviously you're mm. having none of that business in this game nah, it's seamless co-op drop That's in drop it. out your progress is saved everyone's getting their system. xp everyone's getting the resources it's all good yeah um i'd keep the the um, original characters, but as classes almost. Okay. So you'd make yeah, your own yeah. character completely customizable yeah. from either Dwarven or Amazonian or Barbarian. Um, yeah, and I've got, I've got. Also, I'm thinking Unreal Engine Five, just yeah, because be. it needs that gorgeous look. All those yeah. assets, that I photorealism. Think. Mm. 
That's what I really want. Have you, um, Charlie? Have you have you seen the trailer for a game called Cr- Crimson Desert? I have not. Because no. this game springs to mind instantly. Um, so after the show, go, go and well, obviously it's it's very different, but graphically, it's exactly what I'm thinking of. It's it's set in kind of like a a medieval fantasy world, and it has mm. these. It has like a wide range of kind of landscapes, like snowy mountains and 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 forests and desert and stuff, and the vistas just look incredible. And it's kind of what I pictured straight away when you started talking yeah. about how you'd pitch this next gen sort of version of Golden Axe. Oh, that sounds really good. I'll yeah. uh, definitely check that out. Maybe yeah. they could be uh, the studio that that do it. Well, maybe. I mean, they they, they had a quite a bit of success with their previous game called Black Desert, which was an MMO, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, yeah, Crimson yeah. Desert is 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 coming at some point. Is that a solo experience or is that a MMO no, as I'm well? I'm not actually sure. I'm not actually sure. Okay. I know from the trailer they've got a lot of um kind of story elements to it. Anyway, we're going off track. We're going off track. Back yeah. to your game, Charlie. Sounds awesome. Yeah, that, that's kind of my vision for it. Um, Wicked. Yeah, I've not got too much. Other and this, than... is, this is this is a next gen exclusive. You know, we're not going back to the, uh, <laughs> no, the PS4 not and time. The X, X not coming out. Xbox One exclusive. <laughs> Xbox One exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's the highest bidder, Connor. <laughs> yeah, they'll all come knocking. And it's going to be titled Golden Axe: Land on Fire. Oh, I love nice. it! Wicked. I want to play it. Thank you for that, Charlie. That was a that was a really oh, really good pitch sweet. there. <laughs> um, Thank you. I get well. We've had a couple of fantasy games, so actually, I'll, I'll go next because I'll switch it up a little bit um, with 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 my my choice of game. So, um, the game I'd like to reboot, and I've got a very sort of like practical purpose for choosing this game. Actually, um, is the 2006 first-person shooter Black, Ooh. developed by Criterion Games and published by EA. It was released on PlayStation 2 and Xbox in February 2006. The player assumes control of Jack Keller a black ops agent being interrogated about a previous mission involving a terrorist operation. And I have got such fond memories of playing this game. Yeah. And it was the first kind of game that I sort of, I mean, 2006 seems like quite late. I mean, I was born in like early 90s. So 2006 seems quite late in my sort of gaming life. But for me, it was the first game that really stood out from like a cinematic kind of perspective. Mm. Um, they had a lot of like live action cutscenes in this game. Um, the game was like really sort of praised for its sound design and the sound of its weapons. It even so it used sounds from like iconic movies such as Bruce Willis's MP5 in Die Hard, Jack Bauer's oh, nice. Pistol in 24. So you had these like big sort of Hollywood kind of like sound effects. Um, it was praised for like the great amount of detail in the game. Um, the animations I'm, I specifically remember, and I'm sure this isn't the case, but I feel like. Black was the first game that I played that when I reloaded the gun, it didn't just go down then up again and the magazine was full. <laughs> yeah. He actually took the magazine out, sort of like unloaded the sort of like empty shell and, and did everything. It was completely animated. And I remember playing that game with my brother and thinking, fucking hell, this is so good. This yeah, is, I played it with my brother too. Yeah, this is the future. This is future gaming. Yeah, and I remember the gunplay feeling mm. so good, so like crisp and yeah. modern and... It, it did it felt like it was really ahead of its time and um mm. you know the destructible environments were in the game um had a sort of really sort of cinematic depth of field effect to it um it was criticized though for being quite short which is what i'd like to change about bringing this game well it was criticized actually for two things um being a short sort of like story and also the lack of multiplayer so my kind of vision for this game for rebooting it is or it would be if 
if PlayStation could somehow get the rights to this game and make it a PlayStation exclusive first person tentpole franchise for their console. And the reason I'm kind of saying this is because there's all this dispute going on at the moment with like Activision and like them possibly losing Call of Duty, even I don't actually think they'll lose Call of Duty. Um, one of the questions that's been asked is, well, why don't Sony just make their own first person shit? Why don't they revive um, Killzone? Or resistance, or resistance. Yeah. you know, it's going to be the uh, the Call of Duty this killer. Is, this is the answer, you know. This is the Call of Duty killer, and I'm kind of thinking they they go the route of like God of War, make like a real sort of like grounded, serious, um, mature story for the single player mm -hmm. campaign, but then introduce a full multiplayer suite, um, even maybe even a battle royale down down the line as well. But have like pure sort of like traditional six v six arena multiplayer, same sort of in the vein of COD. And um, yeah, it, it would just be their franchise, their first-person shooter franchise. Because, I mean, to be honest, like first-person shooter games kind of suck in 2023. There aren't really many good ones out there, particularly in like that military shooter style. Like Call of Duty, just I had high hopes for Modern Warfare 2, but that's completely fallen off a cliff for me recently. Yeah. And then Battlefield, exactly the same thing, released buggy as hell. All these changes with the operators and and um, you know the sort of going for that hero-style shooter poor decisions so this would be like a game that i think that if if sony got their hands on it and they were able to make it exclusive for playstation they could do something like really special with it and um you know they've recently acquired bungie so they could get some kind of developers and employees from bungie to help them with all the network and the infrastructure stuff i'm sure if they advertise like people from dice would want to maybe join and work on this new project and uh yeah a full multiplayer suite um a completely reworked um cinematic story campaign PlayStation exclusive, next gen, um, brand new engine developed for the game, make it feel really sort of like heavy, give the guns a lot of kick, a lot of recoil, you know, make yeah. it sort of like chunky and sort of satisfying yeah, when you love shoot. That. And mm. I kind of think of uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, the Phantom Pain. I remember getting out into the open world in Metal Gear Solid 5 and running for the first time, like sprinting and driving a car for <laughs> the first time and thinking, this feels like fucking real life. This feels yeah, incredible. Yeah. That kind of grounded sort of feel into the game get away from the arcadey sort of call of duty stuff make it sort of you know make it so that when you sprint your gun's shaking all over the place you can't aim down sight straight away yeah yeah make it so that when you shoot a sniper rifle you get proper kick with, with the gun the recoil's too much for you to instantly scope down again just a real sort character... of realistic kind of grounded shooter yeah when your character moves like have him like build up momentum and then when he comes to a stop like he almost have to slow yourself down kind yeah. of thing like you don't yeah. just immediately stop where you when you stop if you know yeah I mean. and i think that this would be a great antidote as well for that call of duty fast-paced style sort of game mm. that i mean if you want to if you want to play like a real sort of polished military first person shooter in 2023 outside of call of duty there's limited options i don't even know what i'd recommend yeah exactly have you got one no oh well, it's not the same category either, but I was going to say like Insurgency, something like that. But... Yeah, I suppose yeah, Insurgency, Insurgency is, a, is great shout. a great shout. But I mean, I guess as well, the game's got to be accessible for people too. It can't be too sort of like... That's super straight, you know, realistic, yeah, it can't be isn't too it? Yeah. It's got to have like elements of that sort of, you know, you are the main character type. Um, yeah, of, you of, are going to sponge yeah, bullets, but exactly. you're not going to die with one bullet. But yeah, and then I'd have like all the traditional multiplayer game modes in there: team deathmatch, capture the flag. Um, you know, would I'd, you I'd have even... it set? 
Sorry, James. No, would you have it set in like the same setting or would you change it slightly? I would slightly? completely update the game. I would completely change everything about the game. I like the kind of idea of um, the main character. He kind of gets sort of caught up in this like terrorist plot and, and stuff like that. Mm. That's the story of Black. Um, I definitely feel like that could be reworked, but I think that the general sort of story is, is, is there. But that could be reworked, like a new setting, new, well, not new characters, same character, new settings, um, fully sort of animated and CGI sort of cutscenes. You know, like Call of Duty, for example, like playing, playing Modern Warfare 2 campaign. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was criticised Call of Duty, but I was blown away by that campaign. It was, campaign was immaculate. Insane, yeah. So is this going to be a sequel or is this going to be... This is going to be a complete reboot. Oh, okay. A complete, a complete from the ground up reboot. Nice. And, um, I'm, I can see it. I can see. Yeah. I'm seeing like a Killzone set in like a Battlefield 2042 setting. I was going to bring up Killzone because you've got Guerrilla Games and Guerrilla Cambridge under the PlayStation yeah. banner. But yeah. I think PlayStation yeah. could create a new studio for this game. You know, like how um, yeah. Infinity Ward is just a Call of Duty studio, and you know uh, 343 is just a Halo studio. Create mm. a brand new studio for um for, to, to just for to Black. solely develop this game. Take people from Bungie mm. who have expertise in you know, network and live service games, take people from Gorilla who worked on um, Killzone, Killzone, poach some devs from DICE, poach some devs from Infinity Ward. Oh, Respawn. Respawn. Yeah, yeah. When's that's, it that's set in your mind? In my, It's a modern military suit shooter, so it's not futuristic, it's not set in the past, it's set in present day, so pretty much like Call of Duty. Because my, mm-hmm. my kind of thing, if I was head of this studio, I'd be saying to everyone on this team, we are going for the Call of Duty crown like that's the aim we're going to dethrone this game that would be mm. my thing we're going to do Lost it our that. way but we're going to give people a real sort of option that's not forcing them just to play Call of Duty if they want a modern yeah. military shooter how much is Did your you... uh, pay to win battle pass <laughs> <laughs> oh I would definitely have a battle pass in the game because I feel, I feel like um, that that's just part of you know the, the multiplayer experience now and, and seasons and stuff yeah. like, you want your game to have longevity so exactly. it will have seasons, it will have bat- a battle pass, but I'll try not to do, you know, the Call of Duty thing where this gun's locked Apex, behind the right. paywall. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you pay for it, then, yeah, you'll kill people slightly quicker than the person with that gun that came with the game. Did you ever play the Killzone campaign? Uh, I've played Killzone, yeah. The last Killzone I played was the most recent one on PS4, but I never completed the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I never completed the campaign. There. But I loved the game of what I played of it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Did you ever play, was it Killzone 2? Was there a Killzone 3? Or am I making that? Yeah. Yes. One, two, three, and then Shadowfall oh, right. was the fourth. Did you ever play Killzone 3? I never played 3. I played 2, but I didn't play oh, 3. So 3 kind of encompasses most of what you've said. Obviously, going back a few years now, I'm not sure when Killzone 3 came out, but it was like your character was slow and heavy. The gun was yeah. heavy. The cinematics were insane. Like They were all like in-game cinematics, so... It wasn't like cutscenes and stuff, like you're almost in the cutscene. But mm. like when a bomb would land and you'd get dirt all up in your face and it was so smoky and and super immersive and dark and like absolutely like if you were getting bombarded, it was the most shell shocking experience to watch, let alone play. Yeah. I'm kind of yeah. getting those vibes. It yeah, was that's, really that's that's what I want. I want something that's that's not as arcade <clears throat> as Call of Duty yeah. because I feel like um Call of Duty it alienates a large audience, and it alienated me as a player because, like, we we've talked mm. about Call of Duty, and, and um, we all enjoyed the game for a period when it came out. But you know, Activision just does what Activision does, and they have to sort of like just chase that money, 
chase the money, lit the game with, with bullshit that you don't want to sort of see, but it is what it is. We need more King Kong crossovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the game would be it would be PlayStation Five exclusive, and it would also be available on PC Amazing. with crossplay enabled. Ooh, love that hyped Very when's cool. it coming out 2024 next week <laughs> my calendar's working right now <laughs> <laughs> perfect and that yeah. leaves us with connor okay so this franchise has been non-existent for a decade ubisoft keep teasing remakes reboots apparently there was one in the works until last october david grivel the director of the game left ubisoft so that means it's been 10 years since a Splinter Cell game has hit our oh. shelves. So I love Splinter Cell. Ubisoft. Ubisoft are out the door. See you later. We bought the rights. We're, we're buying the, the rights franchise. Give, <laughs> I've given the rights to IO Interactive. People nice. in charge of Hitman. So IO have just expanded in the two years. They've got a studio in Copenhagen and Malmo. They've now got one in Barcelona and they've got one in Istanbul. Wicked. Which we we posted about on our Instagram, which is at Checkpoint Radio. Shameless plug. Shameless follow us. plug. And they liked it. Why didn't they follow us? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> they will one day. Um, so they've expanded. Uh, they're pretty much done with Hitman now. Um, they've just brought out the World of Assassinations update. So that's out the door. They're continually updating it. And that's one of the reasons why I want IO in charge of Splinter Cell. Because mm. of the constant updates. Yeah. Um, they've got a James Bond game in the works and also an online fantasy IP, Project Fantasy, which we don't know about. So they've got four studios now. They've got the capability. Once James Bond's out the door, they'll be working on this online game. There's room for another game to be worked on. So I think Splint Cell is perfect for that. And the main reason I want IO to take charge of it is the sandbox sort of mode. They create these wonderful levels. There is a story involved. But these big levels you can go in you can do the mission how you want the mission to be done you can go in silent you can go in all guns blazing if you wish so you can have a story the story i would have would be sandfish is you do the tutorial would be similar to hitman one it would be sandfish's training whereas agent 47 got trained in hitman and then it would be his story working for the cia all the way up until he gets taken over into third echelon with a promotion which was the basis of multiple games. Um, so yeah, the large maps, countless ways to complete them. Just give the player Sam Fisher and his countless amount of tools and equipment, see how they do it. I'd add the contracts mode, which is in Hitman as well. So you've done with the game, you've done it a few times, and you go, oh, Charlie's just done a contract. I've got to go and get this NPC out of here in this time frame, out of this exit wearing this outfit whatever it is it just continues to add to the story and then also what i have done with hitman is they've added a freelancer mode which is a roguelike sort of mode and i think that'd be perfect split so you do extractions or you can go and assassinate targets you can maybe do it cooperatively send in you and a friend go in you've got to take this guy here and the loot you obtain you take it back with you if you lose it similar tarkov is gone Mm -hmm just continually add to the game and I think that's what Splinter Cell is in need of just constant updates here's new maps here's new levels there's a story if you wish so yeah yeah I think that's amazing. a great idea Connor. Like, I like that that Tarkov style um, sort of aspect of the game I think would be really yeah. cool 
I feel like um because like obviously I've mentioned this as well in the game I just talked about, but I feel like a lot of developers like they want to hold the hand of the player too much, you know, and that takes mm. away a lot of the experience of these games. I feel like if you just let the player explore and work things out for themselves and get punished for doing things wrong, like they soon learn how to play the game rather than having tutorial after tutorial after tutorial, text yeah. box, text box, text box, do this, do that, do this, come up. You need to yeah. live with your consequences yeah. as well. Like if you execute a plan and it goes wrong, so many people just like restart yeah. and I'll go mm. again. Like you need to be able to like live with your consequences. Mm. Yeah, and you if need you to are think on a stealth mission, plan. Yeah. 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 And not just restart because you messed it up. And what I like about the Hitman games is there's a ranking system. So if you go in there and you are you do everything perfectly, you scout out certain guard routes, you go in, you execute the guy properly, you go out, you get five stars, stealth assassin. If it goes tits up, you get one star and then you're like, oh, yeah. I've got to do that again. I can't <laughs> just go through all of that. There's a part of me though, this is just me, like I completely, it, I, I feel like that ranking system's fine. But <clears throat> when I play Hitman and I see like, I didn't do it with an S tier, I'm like, well, I did it as best I fucking could. Stop judging me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like that you've uh, you mentioned co-op because um, I think that's a really good aspect to have in they, a Splinter Cell had... game. I remember mm, that changing one. Things, with it? It's interesting. Yeah, we did it, didn't we? Jen? Yeah. Yeah. Was... yeah. The Splinter Cells. I've played a couple with online co-op, and I, I can't. And then I think they did it within Double Agent as well. Mm. Mm. Can't remember the one. Was it Conviction? I think it might have been Conviction. Yeah. You had online co-op and you had to go in. Do missions together. Some of the best missions in Modern Warfare 2 were the stealthy missions, like the House Breach one, the London one, and in well, that was in Modern Warfare, but then in Modern Warfare 2, they really brought a few more of those missions along. Yeah, a lot but of the missions were stealth based, didn't they, in that game? They were really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's nothing really out there stealth. No, they, they were like, not on this level anyway. Yeah. I mean, you so, were Hitman, and then mm. we had Metal Gear Solid, but that's, that, mm. I don't think we're going to see another Metal Gear Solid game for a very long time. So, what else yeah. is there? Bring Splinter back. And even though Hitman's great, it does sort of teeter on the edge of arcade in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very arcade yeah. at mm. times. Yeah, I think people accept accept that though. It is what it is. It's a fun yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It's a great game. You can still, yeah, and you can still play it. The, the most intense Hitman, stick all the assistances and help and everything off and live with the consequences. Or you can kill a guy with an exploding rubber duck. Yeah, or throw a C4 <laughs> on someone's face and then just run away or and everyone's forgotten about dump it. Dump someone in a wood chopper. Yeah. I'll throw the briefcase. <laughs> you see <laughs> fucking clip. Yeah, it flies around. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds really yeah, cool. Awesome, Connor. Connor. Thanks, thanks for yeah. that. Anything else to add before we before we wrap up this section? No. I'd bring back Michael Ironside to voice Satfish as well. We've got to get that oh, gravitas nice. back. Well they were Ubisoft were supposedly working on a They've been working split, on it for well, years. Well, I was just saying a Cell yeah. film. So a Splinter Cell movie oh, starring uh, Tom Hardy was at one point a thing. They've got an anime in the works, I know that. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Which is so weird. 2024, we can look forward to Black and White 2. Yeah. Well, Black and White. We can look forward to yeah, Golden yeah. Axe, Land on Fire, Splinter Cell, and Black. I can't wait. It's going to be a, a great year for gaming. <laughs> wait, if these were coming out, I'd be super hyped. Yeah. For sure. I think I, I thought of a developer of as well. Okay. So where the game would be a showcase of Unreal Engine, it'd have to be Unreal, right? Like, games, they'd have to mean? make it. Epic Games, yeah, my bad. Epic Games. They now nah, they just make. All money, they do is make Fortnite. They don't yeah. do anything else. And do anime crossover skins on Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool. Like, I get the I get the the kind of idea you're saying. If this is supposed to be like 
imagine it's like a big sort of tech demo. Yeah, it's that game that's as well. I'm... You know, mm. this is what you can do with with Unreal Engine Five yeah. if you're as good at it as we are. Uh, epic at done with games. Same <laughs> with Valve. They just got too much money now and they don't care. Well, that was fun, boys. I um, enjoyed fantasizing about our, uh, our our fantasy franchise reboots. You know, it's always good to sort of like uh, think about things that will probably never be, but nevertheless, yeah. here we are. But uh, before we sign off, we've got some major releases to look forward to. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which we spoke about earlier on in the show, is uh, due out on the 28th of April. Um, Xbox is Redfall, which is getting a bit of stick at the moment due to the 30 FPS cap, is due on the 2nd of May. Very much looking forward to both of those games. And obviously, later on in May, we've got Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So, uh, anyone going to be picking up any of these games or what, 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 what are we thinking? And I'm quite looking forward to Redfall, actually. Yeah, I think when it's, well, it's coming to the Game Pass, it's going to be hard not to play it, really, and see if it deserved that kind of scathing review that it got from the IGN players who did play it. But I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be good. And it'll be nice for all of us to play together. I think um, yeah. I think, I think Xbox of, well, Arcane and Bethesda maybe learned a lesson there. Don't let IGN play your games and show it first yeah. because none of the people who work there know how to play a game. No, that's oh, evidence from that gameplay. Send it to Checkpoint Radio instead, and uh... yeah, send it our way, and we do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested for uh, Jedi Survivor. Yeah, but I yeah. think I will yeah. play. That'd be my pick through the first one before. Yeah, definitely. Record. It, it continues yeah, I think directly it's on from. I think it's mm. necessary to be in the loop with the story. Mm. Connor, but yeah, definitely Jedi. Yes, Star Wars would be my pick. I'm obviously going to play Redfall through Game Pass. Awesome, but I think there's issues with that game with Genovo in it and stuff like that but we'll see hopefully it's good I think Xbox needs a W at the moment yeah on the game front that is like Game Pass is doing fantastically but like first party sort of game they need yeah how about you James obviously Zelda yeah but I think I think Redfall is I don't know why I'm just interested in a go I want to kind of play it for myself and see what it's all about because I'm mm. hearing a lot of mixed things about the game at the moment um, I trust Arkane. Yeah, I, I fully trust Arkane, and obviously, you know, not to be sort of a PC elitist snob, but I couldn't give a fuck about the 30 FPS cap because I won't be playing it on console. I'll be playing it on PC. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Until oh. it's 30 frames on PC. Oh then, no! Imagine it's going to be that, that's, that's, that's 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 <laughs> criminal. It would never happen. <laughs> right. Well, just before we go, I've got another little trivia piece for you, boys. So cool. here we go. What was the best-selling video game console of all time? PlayStation 2. Oh, it's got to be like a Nintendo console, Yeah, I'm surely. going with NES. Okay. James? I, I, I don't know. Any, what, what? any specifics? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Nintendo 64. Fuck it. It's my, my most favourite console of all time. Well, you are absolutely right, Connor. <laughs> 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 it was, of course, the PlayStation 2 clocking in at... 159 million units sold worldwide. Jesus. They were selling more PS2s when the PS3 launched over in like Asia. Really? Can't get, I don't Can't yeah. sell them fast enough. <laughs> yeah, they were still making PS2 games up until like the PS4 came out. Oh my it's God. The golden era of gaming, I'm telling you. Yeah. Loved my PS2. Cool. But anyway, that, Charlie. That's yeah. all right. You're welcome. Well, that was episode five. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, you can get more content by following the link in the description of this episode. You'll find our social pages, our YouTube, Twitch and Discord where you can come and hang out with the community. 
But that's it for now. My name's James. I'm Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.